Angus Beef Bulletin Extra Audio, the cattleman's resource for relevant industry insight on the go. Brought to you straight from the Angus Beef Bulletin Extra, you now have the opportunity to stay up to date on the latest news and information related to cattle producers, whether you're in the field, on the go, or finally back at home. So let's dive in. Welcome to Angus Beef Bulletin Audio. I'm Lindsay McAnally, and today I'm excited to share some standout stories with you from the latest edition of the Angus Beef Bulletin Extra. Leading off the episode is a story about the merits of backgrounding your calves. What Influences Prices of Backgrounded Feeder Cattle? By Kieran and Brandt and Heather Gessner, South Dakota State University. Fall means weaning time for many cow-calf producers across the country. Some are weaning early to protect forage resources and relieve some of the foot traffic on droughty pastures. Others will be weaning calves and taking them straight to town to capitalize on near record high prices. But one of the staples of the Northern Plains, especially east of the Missouri River, is the farmer feeder who raises or purchases calves, backgrounds them to add additional pounds, and then typically markets them after the first of the year. Researchers within South Dakota State University Extension have been monitoring sale barn prices and categorizing lots of cattle to inform producers about the variables affecting their sale checks at the local auction market. After analyzing backgrounded calf data from 2022, it was determined that regional differences influence the price received at the market, which may be affected by cattle volume. High-volume sale barns received higher prices. Barns considered low-volume sold animals at discounts, ranging from $5.43 per hundredweight to $19.31 per hundredweight. The basis realized that barns considered high versus low volume may be a management component for producers. While a higher price may be received at a different market venue, there are other expense factors to consider before making a change. An evaluation of the mileage differences, marketing expenses, and other fees needs to be reviewed to determine if a change in location can make a change in profit. The steer versus heifer versus bull evaluation shows yearling steers brought more than similar heifer calves as well as intact bulls. Heifers and bulls were discounted $13.34 per hundredweight and $7.26 per hundredweight, respectively, compared to their steer mates. These results were consistent with earlier studies done across the nation. This observation and price difference could encourage producers to evaluate the use of sex semen to change their steer-to-heifer ratio and to evaluate the cost and effort of different castration methods to reduce the numbers of bulls brought to the sale. We investigated hide color as a variable of interest. This facet of cattle production is largely dependent upon owner preference in the Northern Plains, and many idealistic schools of thought collide in the public marketplace. Our observation indicated, like fall calves, backgrounded cattle of any single color brought premiums over mixed lots of cattle. This should encourage producers to mark cattle in consolidated lots of a single color to avoid discount. Lots of solely black-hided and black-faced cattle receive the highest price per pound. All subsequent observations will be reported as discounts on average relative to the price of these black-hided lots, regardless of sex. Red and red-faced cattle were discounted $8.37 per hundredweight. White cattle received a $13.95 per hundredweight discount compared to their black-hided counterparts. 
Mixing hide colors of cattle resulted in discounts of $8.83 per hundredweight to $20.74 per hundredweight compared to single color lots. Animals with spots, roan, white feet or tails, tiger stripes, and other non-solid color patterns were heavily discounted. Producers in this space should carefully evaluate marketing options. Within our data set, these were classified as other and color and were discounted as much as $36.85 per hundredweight compared to black cattle. A producer's breed preference is a key indicator of animal color at the sale barn. This often collides with perceived market endpoint preference. The result of this study is not to influence breed selection. However, given the price discounts observed, producers are encouraged to evaluate breeding decisions that provide them with the most profitable outcome for their operations. The concept of a premium for larger groups of uniform cattle was investigated. Lots were divided into four groups, 1 to 20, 21 to 50, 51 to 100, and 100 and above. This was a more realistic method of capturing uniformity as sale-born staff separated and sorted cattle into their sale lots based on variables such as frame, muscling, and body condition, which in feeder cattle is largely dependent upon age. Cattle sold in lots of less than 20 were discounted $7.82 per hundredweight compared to lots of 21 to 50. However, this was the only significant difference. Larger groups of cattle received no additional premiums. Lot uniformity, such as muscle, flesh, and weight, was very consistent across all barns. As the animals were sorted by sale barn staff prior to entering the ring, the outliers in the herd were sorted prior to the sale. These sorts provide buyers with the ability to fill orders and needs. Cattle with horns were discounted $24.63 per hundredweight, compared to cattle without horns. Creep-fed animals were compared to those raised without. Purchasers were willing to spend an additional $12.93 per hundredweight on cattle not offered creep. Implant use was also noted. Non-implanted calves brought $7.38 per hundredweight more than implanted contemporaries. These management aspects indicate that buyers are unwilling to take an inherent risk to other animals, carcass damage, or loss of gain when purchasing animals with horns. One of the more surprising results from this information was the value change in creep-fed compared to non-creep-fed animals. These results should be considered when evaluating the value of the feed used compared to the total weight gain and reduced price per hundred weight received. The same decision-making effort needs to be utilized when implanting. The cost of the implants and the increased weaning weights must be considered against the price difference received for non-implanted cattle. The final variable investigated was to determine what effect herd health protocols had on the price received. Five-way and seven-way vaccines were used to evaluate the herd health consideration. Cattle who received a five-way vaccine brought $14.59 per hundredweight, more than unvaccinated cattle. Cattle with an unknown vaccination status were discounted $22.52 per hundredweight. Similarly, cattle that received a seven-way vaccine were paid a $12.19 per hundredweight premium compared to those that had not. Cattle with an unknown seven-way status were penalized $12.42 per hundredweight. Producers can execute herd health protocols in a variety of ways. The data above indicates producers who follow a vaccination protocol and provide a list of dates and vaccinations on sale day are compensated for their efforts. Sellers marketing in a specific program limiting vaccines should ensure appropriate buyers are present and informed of offerings to minimize the potential downside.
A thorough understanding of production costs and market trends is incredibly important. Understanding the variables at play in the public market will increase the competitiveness and flexibility for those marketing cattle in 2023 and in years to come. As an editor's note, Karen and Brandt is an extension cow-calf field specialist, and Heather Gessner is an extension livestock business management specialist at South Dakota State University. Next up, fall grazing influences spring forage production. Monitoring pastures in the fall is critical to spring forage production by Elizabeth Cronin, North Dakota State University. Monitoring grazing use in the fall has the potential to significantly affect 2024 forage production. North Dakota State University Extension has found that heavy grazing use in the fall can reduce forage production in the following growing season by more than 50%. As we transition into fall, it can be tempting to keep cattle on pasture longer to stretch feed resources, says Miranda Meehan, NDSU Extension Livestock Environmental Stewardship Specialist. However, this decision can have long-term impacts on forage production and pasture health if overgrazed. Currently, nearly half, or 48% of pastures in North Dakota, are reported as being in fair or lower condition. Cool season grasses dominate pastures in our region, which can make up 85% or more of the species composition. These cools using grasses develop tillers in the fall, and the development of these tillers has a direct effect on plant growth the next year. If livestock graze tillers below the growing point in the fall, they usually will not survive the winter, says Meehan. If they do survive the winter, plant vigor is low and forage production is reduced. Drought stress also affects the survival of fall tillers. Fall droughts either don't allow buds to come out of dormancy, thus no new tiller growth, or cause death to those tillers that did grow. If tillers do not establish or survive the fall, a delay in growth and development will occur the following growing season, as new tillers will need to develop in the spring. Monitoring degree of use is one way to prevent negative effects to tiller development. The recommended utilization level for grasslands is between 40 and 60%. At this level, rangeland utilization is fairly uniform, with 65 to 80% of the height of desirable forage species being grazed. Ranchers should remove livestock when utilization exceeds this level. An NDSU extension study found that pasture with greater than 80% forage utilization had delayed forage growth and reduced forage production by as much as 57%. You can read more about this study at ndsu.ag forward slash grazing use. The North Dakota's grazing monitoring stick can aid in monitoring forage utilization on range and pasture. The tool does require an ungrazed area with similar forage species for comparison. Here are the steps for using the grazing monitoring stick. Number one, calculate the percent of the plant height removed by dividing the grazed height of the plant by the ungrazed height. Subtract this amount from one. Number two, multiply this amount by 100 to determine the percent of height removed. Number three, Correlate this number with those in the chart in the NDSU Extension publication, the North Dakota Grazing Monitoring Stick, a way to measure range and pasture utilization, to estimate the percent of the entire plant removed. A general rule of thumb is to target 50% utilization by weight during a grazing period, as well as at the end of the grazing season, says Kevin Sedovic, NDSU Extension Rageland Management Specialist. If greater than 50% utilization occurs during a grazing period, plant recovery will be slower, which means plants require a longer recovery period between grazing events to maintain their health. 
High use of grasslands, especially in the fall, can result in tiller mortality by either removal of the growing point or physiological stress to cool season grasses. If pastures receive high grazing use, they must be given adequate time to recover, and turnout should be delayed on these pastures in 2024. If pastures are not given time to recover, forage production and pasture condition will decline. Monitoring pastures will be especially critical for those currently experiencing drought, as drought stress may increase tiller mortality, says Sedovic. Editor's note, Elizabeth Cronin is an editor for North Dakota State University Agricultural Communications. Moving on, nutritional development of bulls for breeding programs. Proper bull development is key to a successful beef cattle breeding season. Many factors play a role in bull development, including nutrition and daily gain. By Benjamin Williamson, Penn State. In the United States, the majority of beef cows are bred by natural service. Most of those cows exist in spring calving herds, resulting in breeding bulls being placed with cows in the late spring into summer months. Thus, spring becomes bull buying season as operators plan for their next year's calf crop. A number of criteria can be used to select a bull. Of course, breed is one very broad consideration for bull selection. But expected progeny differences, actual performance, ratios, lineage, and the eye test all come into factor in selecting sires that match your management and marketing goals. However, all these evaluation tools become available when the bull is close to or even ready for sale. This means there are 14 to 16 months of potential influential inputs for that bull prior to sale. Not only that, but how the bull will function is influenced by how he was developed. Breeding soundness exams evaluate several physical and seminal characteristics to ensure that a bull is fit for breeding season and will have the ability to breed cows. The focus of this article will be on nutrition and bull growth for developing herd sires. Any cattle feeder will tell you it's not necessarily the faster growing cattle, but rather the most feed efficient cattle, those that can gain more with less feed than make them more money. Feed efficiency is difficult to measure. Therefore, gain has long been a metric of success in the cattle industry. In some bull development programs, gain has also become the metric of success, prioritized perhaps more than proper bull development. In those cases, this has meant that the top-selling bull on sale day gains 6 pounds a day. However, rapid growth and proper bull development can be two different sides of a coin. If we consider just one metric of the breeding soundness exam, for example, scrotal circumference, an interesting tale of bull development unfolds. Skirtle circumference has long been used as an indicator of daughter fertility. That is, bulls with a greater scrotal circumference will produce daughters with improved fertility when compared to daughters from bulls with a smaller scrotal circumference. Due to the ease of measuring scrotal circumference and this indication of fertility, it is regularly reported in bull sales books. However, scrotal circumference can be affected by bull growth rate and can be a poor indicator of bull fertility. Recent data suggests that to generate a bull that will successfully breed cows, gains of 2.5 to 3 pounds per day should be targeted. While scrotal circumference can be increased by developing growing bulls on an energy-dense diet, this increased energy to bulls can increase fat deposits in the scrotum. Fat in the scrotum surrounding the testes increases testicular temperature and can increase the risk for improper spermatogenesis. Because it takes six to eight weeks for sperm to mature in the testes, this added heat stress due to fat deposits 
can have a long-term effect, potentially reducing conception rates in the early breeding season. Barber and Almquist reported a decrease in progressively modal sperm and in the percentage of live sperm in bulls with an increasing weight per day of age. While proper scrotal circumference still has value in selecting bulls, emphasis on appropriate bull gains needs to go hand-in-hand with observing mature scrotal circumference. The number one function of bulls is to service cows, and sperm quality is critical to that service. There are times when energy-dense diets may be appropriate during bull development. For example, bulls undergo a rapid period of testes growth from 25 to 37 weeks of age. Increasing nutrient delivery to bulls during this time frame may increase mature testes size. One easy method of delivering at this age may be creep feeding bulls prior to weaning. More recent data suggests the energy density of the dam's diet may also influence the bull's development. While the field of fetal programming is relatively new to animal science, we have known for many years that fetal nutrition is important. Bulls from dams-fed energy-dense diets may have reduced fertility. Therefore, bull development begins in utero. Effects of early life nutrition can enhance or hinder bull fertility. Managing bulls post-weaning to gain 2.5 to 3 pounds per day will provide optimal results for bulls entering the breeding season. Producers looking to improve the quality of their genetic program will use EPDs to make their bull selection. However, even a bull with the best EPDs may be challenged to breed or function. Producers should use all available resources and select sires specifically that meet their operational goals. However, proper nutrition development of bulls will ensure not only his ability to breed, but his longevity as a herd sire. As an editor's note, Benjamin Williamson is an instructor of animal science at Penn State. And finally, get rewarded for your calves. IMI Angus Partnership helps producers gain market access and premiums on proven genetics. Summarized by Lindsay McAnally, Associate Editor. You put a lot of thought and effort into the genetics and management of your calves. Why not make the most of this investment by participating in value-added programs? In a recent episode of Angus at Work, Shauna Hermel sat down with Doug Stanton, Vice President of Sales and Business Development with IMI Global, and Troy Marshall, Director of Commercial Industry Relations for the American Angus Association, to discuss how producers can capitalize on their investment in Angus genetics. Earlier this year, Angus Link and IMI Global partnered on a portion of the verification services for the process verified programs available to U.S. beef producers. This collaborative partnership functions with IMI managing USDA PVPs, such as age and source verification, non-hormone treated cattle, and verified natural beef. Focusing on genetics, the association is tasked with verifying the claims for the programs of Angus Verified and the Genetic Merit Scorecard, according to Stanton. Prior to this partnership, there were two different verification services available to cattlemen individually through the association and IMI. Now working as a team, IMI's Black Angus Verified Beef Program merged with the association efforts to become Angus Verified. Process Verified programs yield premiums in the marketplace, especially on video sales, says Stanton. We've been tracking premiums for several years now. If we look at our five-year averages, we can see premiums that are a very good return on their investment for the time commitment that they put in for these value-added programs, says Stanton. Troy and I were discussing that even with the elevated prices we're seeing in the summer sales this year, and probably we'll see again next year, 
we are still seeing additional value for these programs above and beyond record prices. In terms of the return on investment, these programs have historically been positive for producers already qualified or who have the records to be able to participate in NHTC, All Natural, the CARE program, or the genetic programs, says Marshall. He says the best two ways to improve overall profitability from a marketing standpoint are to increase your access to markets and through your genetics. Enrolling in the PVP programs provides access to more markets, thereby giving you more buyers. On the genetic front, those involved with Angus cattle know there is a value in Angus genetics. With the number of black-hided cattle in the industry, the Angus Verified program allows producers to differentiate their cattle from other black-hided cattle, thereby giving buyers confidence they're buying Angus genetics in the marketplace, says Marshall. Producers wishing to enroll in Angus Verified can get started by visiting www.imiglobal.com or by calling the IMI office in Castle Rock, Colorado. Once your request has been made, an application will be mailed to you with information regarding programs of interest. After programs have been identified, interested individuals will then begin working through the approval process. Additionally, interested producers can learn more about Angus Verified or the GMS by contacting the association. Though IMI does administer the program, association staff are happy to answer any questions and put producers in contact with IMI. As an editor's note, the information above is summarized from the August 2nd, 2023 episode of Angus at Work. Angus at Work is a podcast for the profit-minded cattlemen. Brought to you by the Angus Beef Bulletin, it focuses on news and information regarding health, nutrition, genetics, marketing, and management. It's available on Buzzsprout, Apple Podcasts, and many other popular media platforms. Listeners, as always, thanks for joining us for this edition of the Angus Beef Bulletin Extra Audio. To access the full slate of stories from our latest Angus Beef Bulletin Extra, or to sign up as a subscriber, please check out the link in our show notes. If you have any questions or comments, let us know at abbeditorial at angus.org. And we would appreciate it if you would leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and share this episode with any other cattlemen on the go. Thanks for listening. This has been Angus Beef Bulletin Extra Audio.